Welcome back to the Suncoast Fresh podcast where we talk everything produce and to lots of amazing chefs and peoples. Today we're talking to Richard Weston. Richard is an amazing human being and he is one of the owners of Taz White Asparagus. His business partner Tom joins us and tells us all things about European white asparagus, very different to the Australian stuff. So hang in there. This is a great story, a great new product. We're so lucky to have people like this. Episode 83 brought to you by Green Endeavor, Chef Notepad. Let's go. Richard, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you for allowing us to be here today. We do know you're very busy. What a glamorous lifestyle is living out here with all these wonderful people growing such an ex- beautiful, beautiful product. How did it all come about? Thanks, Graham, and thanks for coming out. Uh, came about uh, around about 2012. Applied for a Nuffield Farming Scholarship and uh, was successful. The exclusive. My field scholarship. That's not uh, that you just rolled over that like it was nothing. That's pretty pretty yeah, impressive. Yeah, it, it? it is. A, it is a big honour, and and Nuffield's a fantastic organisation, and they're doing wonderful things, and have been for a long time in the in the farming community, helping people um, advance their skills. Uh, so once I was successful, um, my chosen topic was uh, white asparagus. What brought that on? Like, why, why did you think that that was a good idea? Obviously it was, but why? Well, the part of our, our farm has been growing vegetables to some of Tasmania's best restaurants. And I was fortunate enough to have a relationship with uh, Luke Burgess, a wonderful restaurant called Garagist. And he just came back from Noma. He'd been working there. And we had a conversation about white asparagus, and I didn't know anything about it. And uh, he said, look, it's one of those fabulous go-to vegetables it's so popular in europe um why you know, why aren't we growing it here and uh, it pricked my interest and started to do some research and i thought well how could you have this wonderful vegetable that uh, a large portion of the world loves and not have a foothold in australia and a good example of that was you know if you take germany as an example on average, every man, woman and child consumes 20 kilo of white asparagus and there's around about 85 million Germans. All in six weeks? Or is uh, the season longer there? The season's longer there. We go six weeks, but they draw it out to three months. Right. Based on varieties. Okay, so different varieties, right. Tricky. Yeah, so the journey began there. Um, I was fortunate enough to be taken under the wing of Bayer um, where they had their white asparagus research facilities uh, in, a, in a town called Ramond, southern uh, Netherlands. Um, and two chaps that were particularly influential were Dr. Ben Silvertan and Leo, Leo Molen. Leo you Winklemolen. It, it rolled out so so well. Come on, let's do that again. What's his name? Leonardo Winklemolen. <laughs> right, Leo. So that's um, a very large white asparagus producing area. Um, the soils are, are perfect um, and the whole industry. And their research facility, it takes about 15 years to produce a new variety of white asparagus. So I was, I was really fortunate to get right in at the ground level to understand right from the very start all the way through and uh, forever grateful and made lifelong friends and, uh, and further developed that passion for white asparagus. Wow. Now, you're a true Tasmanian because we, we hit it off straight away and I've only just met you and, 
you know, that must be, uh, is that all Tasmanians are just lovely people? My sister seems to reckon that everyone down here is just lovely. Tasmanians are, are great people. Yeah. Um, they, they are. It's, um, I've often said that Tasmanians still have that soul. Um, we, we've, we've got time for people. Um, and I think that comes from, I personally believe it comes from, from the environment, the fact it's an island, um, people become resourceful. Um, and have to, uh, as it's been done for, for for a long time, you know, have to be able to to do things on their own to a certain extent. Tell us about the growing without giving away the secret sauce. Um, tell us about, you know, it takes years under the ground from what I understand, grows massive. Tell us about some of the stuff that happens, you know, from where to go and, and the hard work that goes into this such a beautiful product and probably why no one's done it to up till now. Yeah, it's a good question. Look, we started with seed, um, and in, in the European production, you've got two uh, parts of the business. You've got people that grow crowns, so you purchase them at two or three years, and then the asparagus growers do the second bit, which is the harvest. It takes about four years from seed, um, so it's a long-term process to get there. Your first harvest after that four, four years is, is fairly limited. And then from that point on, um, a good hectare of white asparagus can produce between six and 14,000 kilo. And the crop can last between 10 and 14 years. Okay. So from that point on, the, the growing of them, they're a very tough and residual plant. Um, they'll take a lot of abuse. Um, and once the, once the season's progressed, from that initial six-week harvest, um, we remove the plastic, and um, and the ferns spring to life and get to two two and a half metres tall. Um, the bees love the the asparagus flowers. I, I happen to have beehives, so that's that's a bit of a bonus. Handy, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a there's a lot to it though. The, the soil has to be right. Um, when you first plant your plugs, you do that in a 20 centimetre um, profile that's inverted into the ground. And over that first four years, you cover the soil so the paddock's level. Then when you come to your harvest, you mound up 20 centimetres. So effectively you have a 40 centimetre profile. And that's because we're trying to follow the European standards where you're looking at 22 centimetre spears. spears. Okay, and they're harvested at 25. They're then cut back to 22, graded, and uh, and and uh, sorted in the packing ship. And you literally have to dig them out one at a time. Every spear has to be dug out by hand. Yeah. Um, there's no other way to get out of it. There are machineries being developed by Christie's, a Dutch company, and and that comes through and cuts all the asparagus. But the downside of that, it takes five centimetre spears and it takes 25 centimetre spears, mm. which means they can only go back and harvest on a three-week rotation. But I'm sure as technology develops, there'll be an opportunity to to get to that point um, where they'll perfect that. Mm. I think if people understand the actual hard work and the lack of machinery, which is almost a good thing, I, I think, yep. that you can actually appreciate the product even more. I think it, it, it almost 
it, it, it does cost more, but it sort of adds value as well because you can feel the love that's gone into, you know, actually having to think about this and having to get on your hands and knees and, and pull it out of the ground. I'd agree with that. I, I think it's something special um, about something that you need to take care to grow. Yeah. And, and you know, by, by using your hands, you've really got a connection. Mm. Um, and it's got that incredible earthiness and yeah. sweetness and touch of bitterness, everything you want in a good vegetable. Yeah, it's it's stunning. And I just want to touch on you. You said you've got an amazing team. So I, I, I want to, you know, you were you were saying how wonderful group of people you got at the moment. So I just want to touch on that because they will listen back, and I want them to hear how highly you, you know, regard them and and thank them for their hard work and commitment to this backbreaking, you know, job. The team, the team we currently have from a from a Tasmanian asparagus structure is. Um, Myself and Belinda, my wife, yep. and Tom and Jenna Barra, and that forms Taz White Asparagus. Uh, so that's that heads up the team. We've, our wives are in the packing shed and grading. Yeah, she was so busy I couldn't see her this morning, Belinda. <laughs> I spoke to I've never met her actually. See her on the talked to her a hundred times on the phone, and um, but yeah, very um, structured and ready to go to get that asparagus out on time. Yeah, very competent ladies, mm. very competent ladies, and and within the field we have. A uh, team of between seven and nine mm. um, that we require those through labour hire companies. Um, at the moment, we've got five wonderful Argentinian mixture of men and women. We've got a wonderful Italian girl. Mm. We have a, a girl from Spain, um, and they're really doing a fantastic job. Um, it's not easy work, and to turn up day after day and do that physical work. Um, uh, Total respect, um, and without you know that ability to acquire that sort of labour, um, there's no white asparagus. That's right. as, we, as we said, it's got to come out by hand. So I was lucky enough to smell it, feel it, touch it, and you've got a little secret thing that you do after you harvest it, and to make sure that it's it's at its peak for when these chefs all around Australia uh, get to try. And we're so grateful and. Um, lucky to be able to supply it to you know the best restaurants in our region of Queensland and northern New South Wales and we can't thank you enough for that but um, how has the response been from the chefs? It's been wonderful yeah locally um, Tasmanian chefs have embraced it uh, all around Australia we've had wonderful support and look the products um, you can grow the best product in the world but without talented chefs and uh, people to to guide you and help you along the way in the food industry, um, you're very very limited. So it's that relationship, isn't it? It's it's meeting you, Graham, and 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 without the support and people that believe in a grower, it's it's a very hard row mm. to hoe. Mm. And and we're forever ever grateful. As it's our second year in, and um, we're looking for as many good people to work with us as we can. Beautiful. Well, we will not let you down, I give you my word. Um, we, I want to really get it out there as best as possible. And, uh, you know, I always look at food as like it's on the, you know, it starts on the catwalk with the Peter Gilmore, right? He's the he's the top of the tree as far as, you know, people who do, the, you know, wonderful products. And then and then other great restaurants, Ben Williams and Agnes, loads of them. They're everywhere, as you know, and I won't, I won't sort of pick out too many. But then it, you know, it works its way into retail. It's like, hey... I had this at this restaurant. How do I get Correct. my hands on that? And, Correct. And um, you know, we're we're lucky enough working with the two brands that we're going to be able to do that for you. And 
and uh, get it on shelves. Like, um, you know, I've been telling my sister about it, and she's, um, you know, can't wait to, to be able to try it at home. So I'm looking forward to having the chefs talk about how they're cooking it because there's been some amazing presentation. Someone in Sydney, they cut it all and made that big circle. That one, the couple, two or three in the middle, I'm not even sure what it was, but that was extraordinary. That's, presentation. A, that's the sexiest presentation of white asparagus I've yeah. ever seen. Yeah. And I wish I knew who that was, and I might find out who it was, and I'll tag them in in this post. But Peter did some amazing work, but also, I forgot his name. Um, Neil Perry, yeah. Neil rings. Neil sent us the most beautiful email, yeah. which I'm happy to share with you. It's yeah. extraordinary. And then he now rings Belinda yeah. on a regular basis. We get a bit of a giggle out of that because we're absolutely chuffed. Yeah. But he also did some amazing posts. And, um, and he was uh, telling, telling us a story about he used to be able to get a very small amount of it in 1990 from the Blue Mountains. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, so the support from from those guys, and and look, the retail side of things, um, as we progress the farm, that gives us um, great confidence to continue to grow, mm. um, because there's um, there's always teething problems, and you know to place it into the right markets. One of the things that's interesting with white is you've got to peel it before you eat it, and there were some interesting ramifications in the UK when they first started to ship white asparagus in because they didn't instruct people you had to peel it. Mm. It's just, it's not very pleasant. I, I, bit, I, I ate one the other day uh, in the Depending on the size. Huh? Depending oh, right. on the size. Okay, okay. So once you get into those... The big, big stuff. The, the, the really big stuff, you, you peel, you know. Um, but the finer stuff, yeah, no trouble at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really it, it was, and then that, that brings me to a question. Um, now, there's obviously green asparagus that they grow. And obviously, I think the answer is variety. But explain to me the difference between stuff that's, other stuff that's been grown in Australia that, that is white in appearance. Yeah. But yeah. it's not the variety with the nice closed tight tips. You, you tell me. That's a really, a really great question. And there, there are big significant details and differences. Um, your white asparagus has been bred specifically um, for size, um, so your, your 20 to 50 mil, um, that's one of the differences. The main difference is if, you, if you're fortunate enough to see really good European white asparagus, the tip is incredibly tight and closed. Mm. Now when that spear pushes through the ground, you don't want grit or sand getting into the tip because the tip's the beautiful bit. Mm. Um, with your green, your you know, you, you tend to you know your Mary Washington or whatever it might be, where you harvest that above ground, mm. so your tip is more open, so that's not a factor. Wash that out and so forth. Mm. Um, so that's the really critical thing to to note. There's also a difference in the in the flavour profile. You know, you've got the, with the green, which we I grow some green back on the farm. You've got that. Um, uh, Beautiful sweetness, it's a wonderful product, and that bang, whereas I think it's the white's more complex. It's, it's got it's almost three layers. It's got that beautiful uh, green pea smell, but then you've got that wonderful earthiness, and then you've got that beautiful slight bitterness, and that's why it lends itself wonderfully to, say, a wonderful hollandaise or mm. a burnt butter sauce. There's so many things you can do with it. But uh, the varieties that we're growing have been specifically bred over a long period of time, um, 15 years to get new varieties, and, and that's really, really critical 
that um, you use those right varieties. And, and that's the lengths we went to. And, and I was fortunate enough to be able to, to see how all of this is, um, comes to fruition mm. and, and the breeding programs and those things. And what, so it has to be grown in cold weather as well, like, I mean... Asparagus is, um, is a really it? interesting plant. It's actually a, an estrine plant um, and will take quite high levels um, of salt, originally from the Black Sea area, nine species, nine, nine natural species of asparagus. So when you say originally, we're talking 1700s or... Oh, like wait, further back. So further the original asparagus that would have been grown in the wild. Right. Okay. okay. Um, so the climate... Um, you can get varieties of white that were uh, perfect for Southern Europe and Northern Europe. Some are much more cold tolerant. Uh, the varieties we're running at the moment, um, Magnus, Cumulus and Prius. And Magnus is a dual purpose, can be white or green. Hmm. Cumulus is a white and Prius is a white. Um, and they've been uh, really uh, conducive and, and successful growing in Tassie, so they they like our conditions. There's always threats. We we we, we do have frost damage, um, and that's really interesting. You'll get a glassing in the tip, um, and we've had a bit of that. But being able to manipulate your white and black plastics, that's we've been able to work past that, and and that frost damage is minimal, and because the spears are growing at such a rate, up to ten centimeters a day the white can grow, um, the next few spears come through and they, they outgrow it. Yeah. So it's it's not a, not a particular big worry to us. It's a bit like bamboo, it stays under the earth forever and then pops up really, really quickly. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah really good example, yeah. So what else should we be, how, can, how else can we educate the community and chefs? What other tips and tricks or advice do you have for, for us in either handling or you know, what, what do we got to know about it? I think if you get an opportunity, and hopefully you will to try it, try it. Don't walk past it. Yeah. If it's on the menu, order it. Yeah. If it's in the supermarkets, try it. Yeah. And uh, I don't have any doubt you'll go back and and you'll talk about it. It's 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 one of those um, beautiful vegetables that it's always referred to in Europe as the king of spring, um, for that reason. Mm. Um, whether you're in Denmark or Switzerland or you know Belgium or Germany, and I can go on and on and on, um, they know a little bit about good food, <laughs> and I think that um, as I say, it's it's a beautiful product, and uh, yeah, hunt it out, source it out. Yeah. Um, how? What's the future looking like um, for the farm and the product? We're going to be growing lots more, aren't we? We're going to expand. Is um, it? Is it yeah. yeah, we're going to expand. We're looking, currently we've got um, around 1.4 hectares in, which equates to 34,000 plants in the ground. It, uh, we'll head out to another 20,000. Wow. So that'll potentially, you know, roughly 55,000, I suppose, you, you anywhere between that 10 and 20,000 kilo. Um, long term, I think that um, I've often said this, that we've already identified areas of Tasmania that would be very conducive to growing it. And I'd like to think the legacy of this would be an industry, a much bigger industry than we are. So other farmers could take advantage of that. That would be a wonderful thing to see in 20, 30 years that this white asparagus 
it started off in Tasmania and you know has developed an industry and and has provided an opportunity for mm. people to try another wonderful vegetable mm. um, you know to uh, that's good for you it's tasty and oh and, yeah nutritious and, yeah really nutritious yeah really good for you well look who we have here Tom Welcome to the broadcast as well. Thanks, Graham. You've been out doing all the work, well, which has been <laughs> up here having a cup of tea with me. Um, tell us your role and what you do. Um, so I'm in partnership with Richard, as well as my other half, Jenna, who's over in the pack shed working way at the moment. He was actually bragging about how good you are and how, how good the girls are <laughs> and how, how, how wonderful of a team you four are before. Absolutely. I think we've got a great team structure and everybody brings something to it. So, yeah, we just partnership works well so my side of things i guess is similar to richard we do more of the farm side of thing being on our place and helping run the crew and deliveries and anything that we need to do Jack of all trades i guess so hey, so i noticed you're um, you both got pretty filthy knees so you're on your knees out there all the time in the paddock glamorous work yeah seven days a week on our knees up and down the rows so mm. every everyone as richard's probably said is all ha hand harvested there's no machinery involved at the moment at all so yeah. So it actually, in theory, is good for your health, you know, because crawling around your knees and, and using your hand strength, you know, this is what we do sort of miss a little bit in life. Yep. I think we're so geared to comfort all the time that, you know, in fact, you guys are, you know, are working hard, but it, it, it has to be good for you as well. So you've got a beautiful product that's good for you nutritionally and you're getting the workout as well. So I think we've both collectively lost five kilos each so far this year. <laughs> and, then, right. and that's actually true. That is yeah, actually yeah. true. And it's interesting because the amount of squats and sets you do um, is extraordinary. And it's, it comes at a good time of year because we can overindulge at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah well, them sort of things on that. Down to our fighting load over asparagus season. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Now, what else were we going to talk about? We were going to talk about the challenges or what, we, what did you say? Sustainability, Scala? Sustainability angle. Oh, we got interesting. yeah sustainability. But first of all, Scarlett, what was the question you had from the girl from the gym? Um, so I was really excited about this trip, and I was talking to my friend at gym who is actually from Germany, um, and she kind of looked at me quite confused when I was like, "Oh, I'm going to a white asparagus farm. I'm really excited. Like a car, you know, I've never seen, you know, it in real life. Like I can't wait." And she said. Asparagus is always white. Why, why are you referencing the colour? <laughs> and I was like, what? No, it's green. So I think for me, I was really confused. And then once I did some research, I learned that it's really quite popular over in European countries. Uh, but I thought it was hilarious that the normal asparagus for her was always white. Touch yeah. on that for us, please. Yeah, look, it, it, that's one of the things that um, I found was wonderful. Um, you come out of Australia and and you're eating green, and uh, the, a vast majority of Northern Europeans eat white. And there's a little bit more to that. It's an interesting thing. One of, one of the advantages of growing the white in cold climates is because you're harvesting below ground, it eliminates, um, and I presume, I'm presuming, and I'm fairly certain this is, a, it's a cultural thing. A cold European winter, you're looking for those first vegetables. This goes back many, many hundreds of years. You've got that ability to access this wonderful nutritional vegetable below ground before the frost and the snow and all of that finishes it off. Um, so it's, it's a, I find that a really interesting thing and it's, it's part of their culture. 
whereas if you drift further south into France and Spain, it's it's green and so forth. So to them, it is white asparagus, and that's how you eat it. Mm. Um, and they would argue very staunchly that the flavour is far superior than green. And I think the two complement each other, um, but I certainly think as we discussed before, the, the taste of the white is much more complex. Mm. And, and that's how they prefer it. Um, it's, it's, it's an interesting uh, change. And, and quite often I've heard the same thing myself, mm. that um, you eat green um, and <laughs> it, it, it's quite odd to us. Mm. Um, and that's the challenge within Australia, which is a, an exciting challenge, us converting a lot more people to the white. Mm. Um, and, and letting them experience this incredible vegetable differently. How many times have we heard you grow white asparagus with a question mark? Yeah. Because everybody is so used to green. Yeah, yeah, many I, times. I don't think I've ever seen white in a tin as a child, like in the 80s, 90s, early 90s. And um, a bit more farm sound in the background there, that's fine. <laughs> Um, tell can, us, no, 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 leave it, that's fine. No, no, it's honestly, it's, it's actually when it records. They've featured it already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, what's, um, yeah, look, everyone's talking sustainability and how we can be better and businesses. Um, how are you, um, how are you, you know, dealing with that challenge, which yeah. is, it is a challenge. It is a, it is a time from, you know, you can't be sustainable tomorrow or, you know, maybe you can, but, you know. I know for our business, it's a big challenge for us that we're going to go, oh, whoa, we're going to think about all the plastic bags, this, that, that, that. Mm. And um, the social impact, I know you talked about the team, you know, really well before. Um, you know, so we've got environmental, social, and governance. Oh, well, we will touch on governance because, you know, we have to do all these growers' agreements to make sure that everyone publishes on our website. So that's another important part of, of business as well. So that's the yeah. sort of governance challenge. There's such a lot of challenges. But let's just touch on sustainability. Uh, quickly and how, how you guys are dealing with that? I think sustainability um, has to come as a whole and it's easy to say and it's not always easy to do. Mm. And one of the things we're really mindful of, and we've had a, a challenging couple of weeks, is yeah. um, I'm a touch older than Tom and, and I'm really excited that I know Tom will want to be doing white asparagus in many, many years to come. So you want to leave the farm I always say, and we try to do it in better condition than you found it. And that's that's starting from the soil there, trying mm -hmm. to maintain, trying to increase your, your nutrient. Asparagus has some advantages. Um, and one is it has an amazing huge root ball. So that binds that soil nicely. Um, we've been using a, a range of uh, fertilizers um, and we've been trying to to certainly lean towards those organic liquid feeds and things like that. And then you look at the bigger picture with your packaging. Packaging is always tricky, mm. particularly with a, a really brittle product. Yeah. And we've had some challenges, haven't we, Tom? We have. We've tried to go down the sustainable route and recycle route, but there's sometimes that there's not that option there at the moment. Mm. And breakage is a big thing with uh, outside factors that we can't control at the moment. So. But we As, have we have some good packaging. We have some good packaging. We've made some good inroads, and and yeah. we'll work really hard on that in in the future. Um, it's and, and we're getting to know our product. I, I dare say, long term, there'll be some very specialised um, uh, design box specifically for us. I can see that we're in a really interesting area. Mm. Your green is much more. Um, uh, <laughs> 
understanding when you're shipping it, the way you would have seen it, Graham, the way the green is shipped compared to the way the yeah. white is. Yeah. Um, and that's based on on the spears, but that's part of the that's part of the growing pains. It's trying to to do that, but certainly if you're not looking at your farm in a sustainable way, um, you won't farm long term. Mm. And if you don't look at your packaging and all of those aspects that make it up. Um, and it even comes down to how you ship and what are your options and mm. and um, trying to reduce the impact of fossil fuels on your products and all of those things that we've, we've got globally, collectively, we have some really big challenges ahead of us to continue to be able to take advantage of exporting foods within states or overseas. Mm. Uh, and, and that's certainly where uh, we'll be focusing our second season in. Mm. Um, and we, we, our mantra will probably be to improve every year, you yeah. know. And and we've made some great inroads this year yeah. with with waste and reduction of 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 waste. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's an area that um, is always at the forefront. Well, that really reinforces um, you know the feeling I get from you guys. So um, super proud to know that you're onto that. And um, you know, here with the beautiful fresh air in the world, I believe. You know, you got it all to lose, really, haven't you? So, you know. Yes. Yeah. Um, we look. It's a beautiful climate. It yeah. really is a beautiful climate. Um, yes. It, it can be challenging, but it, I think, as we said before, it shapes people, and uh, it's uh, a real advantage. I think. I think we're in a, a pretty special place. Well, I think we touched on the future. You said it's going to be fantastic, and we're going to be putting it through. You know, everyone should be able to get their hands on it at one point or another and they'd be silly to walk past it or not order it on a menu and I I would love to have a little look around if that's okay and um, and uh, continue our chats while we walk around but we'll wrap up this wonderful podcast and it really is genuinely an amazing feeling that you guys have given me I don't know what you want to call it energy or whatever you want to call it but I, I honestly can't thank you enough and it's such an honour and we're really proud to be able to look after your product and, and, and get the message out there. So Been thank a pleasure. you very much. Thanks, Been an Mark. absolute pleasure. Thanks for your support as well from up at your end of the world. So And to uh, travel all the way down to Tassie to pay us a visit. Absolutely our pleasure. Thank you. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Don't hang, don't go, don't go yet. Listen, we've got one more little bit. Now, this is probably some of the most important information. Hang in there. Let's go. Okay, guys, we're back. We've got a three to lad on here. Annette's just chimed in. She's my sister down here in Tassie. Annette, what did you say it's good for? Weight loss. Weight loss, right. Yeah. You guys said before you got to get you get people to come here to pick it. They're going to lose weight anyway. Absolutely. I think it's um, a boot camp without being yelled at. Beautiful. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think um, if you're into squats and sits and tucks and meeting interesting people, <laughs> that's the best gym in Tasmania. Beautiful. <laughs> and plenty of good conversation whilst doing it. <laughs> and tell but, me this, Adam, well, what we're going to discuss. Thing is you, you often have, I'm sure you've had the conversation, does, does your... Yeah, your wee smell after eating asparagus. Oh, great question. Shit, I can't believe we didn't ask that. Yeah, yeah, it's good work. Does it? Well, here's the interesting thing. It's only 50% of the population. Oh, God, Okay, so it's to yeah. do with the, you know, your, your, your individual body and how your kidneys process it. Okay. okay. So if anybody ever says to, and I've had this happen, <laughs> you know, 
doesn't your wee smell after asparagus and you get a blank look, you yeah. know you've found Someone. the other 50%. <laughs> yeah, because mine doesn't, just for the record. I'll put that out yeah. there on the podcast. And I often, people talk about it and go, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, and it's very distinctive. Or else mine yeah, smells all the time. it smells like sure. asparagus. Yeah, and uh, mine does. <laughs> okay, so white does that as well? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the same. It's, yeah, the, yeah. it's uh, the sugars and the vitamins and the mineral, everything that makes up white asparagus. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting thing. But it's only 50% of the population. Beautiful. <laughs> that is great to know. I think that's nearly the lead-in. Did you know? <laughs> we will have to put that at the start, I think. Uh, taking Beautiful. the piss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, well, thank you again. Any more add-ons? No? No, I'll uh, stop them. <laughs> <laughs>